0: We just had some yum, delicious, 100% farm to table. And why is it like an extra special farm to table? Well, number one, it's because we're moving into the summer and this is a time of year when we have abundance of delicious vegetables and fruits and all kinds of things. But two, Crystal and Ryan Keller are here.
1: I've never had a salad that tasted that good before.
0: So that's the exact same salad we had with, sandy last week but this week it had an extra special farm to table surprise it actually had vinegar that we've made here on the farm
1: yum yum i love vinegar (laughs) and that that was on another level
0: that's a, that's, it's fantastic to have these little surprise things. So what happened was in 2021, I harvested the grapes. My parents were out of town. By the time my dad got back, the grapes had ferment over fermented. So it meant that we couldn't do any wine with them. And so the last two years he's been making vinegar out of that and he brought it in tonight. Hey, I think this turned out really good. What do you think? And I was like, well, I'm going to let the Kellers try it tonight and we can decide whether it goes on salads, and, you know, whether it's any good. And of course, I think the pairing with the figs and the cucumbers and all of that, the arugula,
1: yeah. Nothing goes to waste on a farm.
0: Nothing. And it's fascinating to get to see all of these different obtain a yield (laughs) obtain a yield was my permaculture principle that i named in this last week and really that's what it is it's like every single thing that occurs i have to look at it and go okay well how can i creatively turn that into income or into something that's going to come back to the farm in every situation
1: and it's what i like is never wasting anything yeah you know uh taking that product that i don't know the backstory on the on the uh, vinegar you know so to speak everything but like turned it into that right there that will that that, i would sell like hotcakes
0: yep that's exactly what he was feeling that was exactly what he was saying about it all Okay, so we're moving into that time of year where you might actually have a little bit of a break. Do you guys have any summer plans at all?
2: We do have a little short, small vacation plan. We're going to go to the Frio River for three, four days. Nice. And um, we've done this pretty much every year we go. This will be our third or fourth year, so it's kind of become a tradition for us. Yeah. Um, but our kids are really excited and um, our oldest son just turned 16 yesterday and he's, ah! uh, yeah, and he's really <laughs> excited about the water water slide there at um meals, which is where we're going to be staying <laughs> <laughs> plan
0: a trip some kind of a trip in usually the very end of January or the very beginning of February and then I usually plan a trip sometime in August what are y'all like how, I mean because we've got to get away I mean the, here's the thing in Texas for me a grower and I you're you guys are ranchers you know and um meat farmers livestock producers I could grow all year long like In south texas i really could work every day all year long there's plenty to do even though i'm not necessarily planting as many seeds in august and january february but you do have to take time for yourself and you do have to make those efforts to make have y'all gotten to a place where that's become something that's becoming a little bit more firm in your your family and your lifestyle
2: i do Uh, agree that that is an important thing. Um, and I know it, especially when my, my kids start saying, mom, we just never go anywhere. We never leave the house. We're always at the farm. We always have all these farm chores to do. We can't ever leave. And, um, we're very blessed to have some family members that kind of step in and take over so that we can get away. Um, which we're, we're, that's going to happen when we go to our little frio vacation. Um, but we also have, um, Um, I have a mother-in-law, my husband's mother. She, um, she's kind of a live-in person for us and she, she's, she's at our beck and call, so she doesn't have any problem with, you know, feeding pigs and, you know, moving cows. She's, uh, totally okay to do that. And of course, you know, our, our kiddos help her, but, um, that's the only way we can really plan something is if we know that we have farm coverage.
1: Early on, that wasn't the case though. Uh, Yeah, you know, uh, you just, you're, you're. Setting up systems and you're trying to get clientele, and you know, you want to yeah. be there for them consistently, yeah. And that's you just don't have time for it in the early right. stages, you know, bootstrapping uh, the farm along. And and, and, and you know, uh, yeah, you got to be there, yeah. You know, somebody's got to feed the chickens, somebody's got to water the garden, you know, move the cow, somebody's you, things break, yeah. And that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like we were talking earlier when we were cooking, like. It's not as sexy as everybody thinks. You know, I, it would be awesome to say, yeah, you know, we grow this, and it's always green year around. It isn't. You know, we go through yeah. seasons. Yeah, and you know, the majority and something always breaks. Yeah, the majority of the work that a farmer does is maintenance on. Yeah. fencing on water systems you yeah. know on your vehicles, on your well
0: on your vehicles yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. and the will
1: never going to go out uh-huh. on a you know in the middle of the week when you can go get parts <laughs> no. you know so you got to have some redundancy yeah. built into that and yeah
0: broken water pipes are like <clears throat> a guaranteed you're always going to have a broken water it, it, pipe somewhere exactly
1: so like mm-hmm. early on no we didn't we didn't even we didn't talk about vacation that was a bad word <laughs> uh, you know, and we didn't have anybody to to farm sit. I'm never
0: going to be a good farmer if I can't figure out how to break and go. And in the um, August time period, I always have had dreams of breaking and going north um, and working on some other farms. So it's not that I'm like trying to get away from working. It's just that I just need to get away for a little while and kind of bring energy home later on. Oh, and...
1: absolutely. It's not sustainable. And as much as we throw the word sustainable around in, yes. in our, our realm of agriculture, it's not sustainable not to be able to get away or to, you know, have a night out, you know, because you're stuck to it's calving season or yeah. something, always. You know, something. there's always yes. something going on in, yeah. or a market tomorrow that we got to prepare for, you know, it's time to inventory because the online store is, needs to be updated. You know, yeah. and, and that's, that in itself, when I started learning, so I wish I would have learned business before I learned farming, <laughs> but that's not the way it came, you know? Yeah. So I learned the business and I'm still learning the business yeah. side of things and, uh, you know, to have systems or either you just own a job if when you start a business and if you don't show up, things don't get done. Or you have systems that other people can come in and learn those systems and they can take the load off your shoulders, you know, so that's important.
0: But systems tend to come in place when you're in the kind of field that we're in, especially because we're in such a small scale. And in our region, there's not people that are doing it at such a small scale that we're developing a lot of the systems. And yes, we can go to other people and look at what they've done. But on our own property, we have to be able to observe. I mean, I go back to the principles of regenerative and permaculture, and they always add in a principle that is about like, lifestyle and observation. And, you know, you've got to understand how you're going to be able to interact with the things going on on your land. And then you can be able to see where potential pitfalls are and whether that's going to be able to get you into a place where you can create, you know, a system where your kids can help, you know, someday whenever you get to an age or, you know, whatever it is, but we're building our own systems with our hands in the dirt because there's really no one to model a lot of, grow local, I could modify that or model that after some other organizations in North Texas areas and Austin and stuff like that. But it never like matched what Corpus Christi needed. I had to create what Corpus Christi needed. Well, that's really no different than if I talk about my farming or your livestock production, you know, you, you are having to pay attention to what's actually occurring on your land with your family and what y'all need.
1: Exactly. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be different from person to person whether you have a family or you're single or it's just a you and your spouse mm-hmm. or your partner. Mm-hmm. And like in our county, like the soil types change drastically. You just drive 10 miles and you're in a different soil type, you know, where we're at, yeah. we're on a gravel hill. Yeah. Uh, you know, what What? Well, what do you have? What are you growing? Well, we started breeding and having a farrow to finish hog operation. And, you know, people that are just raising a few hogs, don't run into the the feral hogs coming in wanting to breed.
0: Ah, yeah, your females.
1: Yes. so you got to develop a system of uh-huh. how to how to continue doing the rotations and the uh, you know the uh, pasture based uh, model. But how do you exclude those wild hogs uh-huh. from coming in and breeding? You know the females? So so you're
0: inventing the wheel for you, South Texas, basically. Yeah, <laughs>
1: and you're, you're picking and choosing from other people uh-huh. things that uh-huh. you see the the stuff that you know from past experiences or just trying things you know uh based on you know just anecdotal information that you're just coming up with on your own you know i kind of think
0: we're like the smartest people that ever existed that like <laughs> like because we have to know everything and we don't have to know it all well but we have to be creative we have to create we have to create solutions to problems quick like overnight or in hours
1: <laughs> well and crystal could probably tell you a handful of times you know, every time I leave the farm, that's something when, happens. That's when something happens. <laughs> yes. So she's got to be creative. Yeah. And it's really empowered her. Yeah.
2: I can tell you a story about uh, when he was working one night, and um, this has been a while back, but uh, there was a hel- a hellacious, hellacious thunderstorm came through, uh-huh. and um, I was out in thunder and lightning, and I was in my nightgown, I was soaking wet, and I was trying to rescue broilers from the pen because I didn't want them to drown, Yeah. <laughs> and in the middle of the night, I rescued 50 broilers, and they all survived
1: anybody that doesn't know what a broiler is it's a meat chicken and their (laughs) chickens don't move when it's dark Uh uh-huh so they hunker down on the ground and we live on a hill so when you get about an inch of rain it drowns them nice so she was out there in a lightning storm putting them in a tote and bring them inside drying them off
0: do you find that you're literally not afraid of anything like you're just out there just like I I just have this strange, like I walk around on the farm now and I just like pitch black. Like, I don't even care. I'm stomping around in my nightgown. You know, like, I just, like, you just become a different person when shit's got to get taken care of and there's no one else to solve the problem.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So anyone that knew me before we were farmers would never believe that I did stuff like
1: this. Butchering Um, chickens.
2: Yeah. And I'm kind of good at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you want me on. Uh, you he, Ryan wants me on his team every time we have to. But your chickens, he's like, you're gonna have to take that day off work because I need you here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and my wife is an extremely hard worker. Yes. So I can tell. You know, it was it took some convincing to get her to to go this route, but once she did, it was like it's a no brainer.
0: Okay, so you, Crystal, you work off the farm though yeah
2: yes i I work full-time for the victoria independent school district
0: yes and so just
1: so, recently
2: yeah i i went back to work full-time this past um well in july of 2022 so i just finished my first year as the gifted and talented coordinator for victoria school district
0: i'm always curious about that i was talking to somebody the other day about having, you know, dual income households, like you're, you have to have dual income households. And then it's like, okay, well, can my farm make enough to be one of those incomes? And then I have another, or can my farm make enough to be both of those incomes? And I know that's been part of, uh, you know, a lot of conversation that you guys have probably gotten into over the last few years of, you know, cause you guys have like, four incomes on your household, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like y'all have a lot of different incomes going on in your household. You're a firefighter. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. I recently went back to, uh, work, uh, full-time firefighting. So I'm on a 48.96 schedule. So I work 48 hours off the farm and, uh, they take care of the farm and I come back and catch up.
2: And that's 48 hours people for things that go wrong. And it <laughs> always go wrong on the 48 hours that he's gone. Mm-hmm. He's gone. Yes.
1: I'm thankful that, that <laughs> I have a, two sons that can pick up the slack and my wife, you know, she knows the ins and outs along with my mom, uh, kind of cracking a whip.
0: I think it's fascinating. This is, these are the stories that I think are important that we don't often talk about is that these people that are producing our food for us are, you know, there, there's, there's absolutely a labor of love that we cannot deny about, you know, making the choice to do this as a lifestyle. Yeah, because we're going completely 100% against the grain. I've been learning how to cook all kinds of things. And I've been grateful when I stopped by at the farmer's market to pick up meat. You've given me some suggestions. A couple of weeks ago, I made goat steak with uh, Zelina Zamora. She's a chef in town. And that was one of the things that you had suggested to me. Um, And then I picked up, uh, I don't know, several weeks ago, a small little rack of um, pork ribs. And so I had those in the freezer and I decided to try out making, um, making them with the instant pot. And interestingly enough, it was one of those nights where I had been out in town running around and then got home kind of late these times of year. I'm sure you guys noticed this, that like. When it gets, doesn't get dark till nine o'clock, you're up till like midnight and you're eating at like <laughs> 1030 at night or whatever. Are you guys feeling some of that?
1: Especially as a farmer, because yeah. you know, you get up early and you know, you do the work and, or your chores, and then you may have a project that you want to knock out. And then by one o'clock it is so hot, yes. especially in our climate, yes, that it's time to go do the inside yes. stuff yes. and that may be eating. Uh doing some administrative stuff, some paperwork, some bookkeeping, calling people, and then taking a nap and then getting back at it around five o'clock and working from five till dark, Yeah. you know, in the afternoon.
0: Talking about the siesta time, you know, that we're like, I find myself like actually needing a nap. So that gets you to understand like how did we, how did that like some of these, you know, traditions, the siesta the the idea that the farmer came in and took a nap you know
1: like (laughs) no i think that's that's exactly right and you know as we transition from the farm to the city's lifestyle you know you had 30 minutes maybe an hour for a lunch break and you had to get back to your cubicle yes or your desk job or whatever you're doing on the assembly line and at about 10 30 11 o'clock and all the cows are laying down chewing their cud underneath a tree Uh uh-huh and they're gonna do that until it starts cooling off in the afternoon exactly
0: so I came in the other night after having been, um, running errands and running in town and then, and then came home and then went outside and worked outside. Cause I'm going to catch those last two hours of the day because they're the nicest hours of the entire day. So I'm out there from, you know, seven o'clock till nine o'clock. Then I come in, I'm like, I actually have to cook some food now. So I threw some pork ribs in the instant pot. It was a small section um, and then it took a yellow onion, some carrots, garlic clove, cherry juice it called for, um, bone broth, which of course I just used some chicken bone broth that I had, um, fresh thyme, fresh oregano, and I put it in the instant pot and it made a fantastic turnout in 45 minutes or basically like 15 minutes to kind of quickly like chop up some stuff, throw it in there the ribs in there cooked it for 45 minutes and it came out and it ended up being it was it was such a small little rack that i ended up just eating the whole thing by myself like i ate the whole entire meal by myself
2: i actually have shared a similar recipe with some of our customers as far as doing pork ribs in the instapot especially for um busy moms because you know you get home at the end of the day and you have to figure out something for dinner uh-huh. um and if you thaw the ribs out good enough and you, they bend just perfectly, they mold inside your Instapot. Yeah. And, um, once you get the Instapot going where it's on like a high pressure cook, uh-huh. it makes those ribs so tender. Yes. And then I, I usually suggest, you know, finish them in the oven. Uh-huh. You know, you can like baste them with a little bit of barbecue sauce, or you can use garlic and butter, whatever you prefer, and just kind of roast them in the oven, you know, in a really high heat to where they kind of get that, crispiness that you would get in a barbecue pit or on a smoker. Yeah. yeah. I shared that recipe just the other day with one of our customers. Well, it was
0: 100% worth it. Like I said, it was super easy. And it's another quick way for me to learn. Like I'm learning how to cook meat. You said it, Ryan, tonight. The best thing is learn how not to overcook your meat. And you cooked two different things for us tonight. You cooked some pork chops.
1: Yeah. So we had a a center cook pork loin. It was a bone in. From our hogs and we also had a new york strip with a bone in it was dang uh, good yeah and you know we, we keep it simple on the farm uh a friend of mine fellow farmer put it best years ago he said people don't appreciate the taste of vegetables and meats that are you know that are hand grown mm-hmm. and raised you know everything tastes wild or gamey these days yeah. it's because the foods that we eat from the grocery store have no flavor because they're out of season or they're not raised in the correct environment where they can develop a a flavor. Like, like wine takes on a different flavor depending on the region you're in. Uh You know, Uh Uh, the wine we had tonight was delicious. uh, Grown here
0: at Freedom Harvest Farms. Exactly. Uh And, and,
1: you know, grass finished meats are the same way, depending on what the forage you have in your pastures, it can take on a different flavor profile. And, you know, he put it best. He said, all people want to do these days is take sauces and spices and they want to put it on, you know, meat and, and meat is basically just a medium for to the, carry sauces. the sauce. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and think Crazy. about it. I mean, chicken tastes like nothing, pork tastes like nothing from the store. Uh-huh. Beef uh, it's hit or miss, you know, yeah. depends where it's grown and raised, you know, we're importing a lot of it. And, uh, but farm fresh stuff does have good flavor uh you know and, and i liked you what you did when i was cutting off some of the fat and the gristle yeah <laughs> you went and snagged that because you you appreciate
0: literally gnawing on a piece of fat and gristle like oh no i want this this is my favorite part of the steak <laughs> same same
1: that's that's me too yeah and now you see that they're selling uh <laughs> they're selling a a rubber ball for jaw exercises because they're saying our jaws Are getting smaller because we don't chew as much anymore
0: shut up yeah so you need to chew your gristle that's right come on dummies.
1: eat some (laughs) eat some some, uh wild meat that's got a little bit of a texture to it instead of everything being you know don't get me wrong i like to have a, a nice well marbled steak yeah as well you know that's delicious but think about it all of our food is like the chickens that they raise are you know like 45 days old you know, start to finish. The hogs are six months old. Everything's so tender. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of makes you think, you know, uh, maybe, maybe, they, maybe they got some, uh, some validity in the, the jaw exercise things because historically, you know, <laughs> we're not chewing our meat. We're not chewing
0: things, <laughs> not Chewing you know? anything, right. yeah um,
1: fruits, vegetables are already pureed or cooked into things, or are we even eating that type of stuff? Yeah. You know, so.
0: Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, okay. So tell me how you prepared, you, you've made a simple preparation for the steaks, but you did it ahead of time.
1: Yeah. For the beef, I'm a big fan of taking it out and thawing it completely, you know, letting it come to almost room temperature. Uh-huh. And then like these, those are inch and a quarter inch and a half thick cut steaks.
0: Fantastic New York strips, you guys. So, uh, what And I what like- was on them?
1: What I like to do is just salt them very heavily, just salt and pat them in, and then let them put them back in the refrigerator, and and something covered, and just let them soak up that salt. And you would think, man, that's going to be too salty. No, what it does, it imparts an even amount of salt Uh to every bite of that piece Uh of meat. And then you know, after you're done cooking it, you can add butter or garlic or onion powder or whatever you like to on it. But think Uh about it: when you cook things normally. You're losing a lot of that in the cooking process right so add those things afterwards but the key here is don't put it on the hot grill until it's at room temperature okay i like to use something uh like olive oil or butter or uh tallow or hog lard on on the grill or on the steak to help kind it, of
0: browns it a little yeah bit. it gives yeah. it a nice
1: uh, crust uh-huh and you know obviously those were rare steaks tonight it and i like to take good. those off no matter if you cook it rare to to medium rare medium well take them off cover them without them touching in a, in a dish and just let them sit over there for five minutes uh-huh and all those juices just release and just uh, uh, release back into the muscle meat and it's it's way better eating experience and as far as the pork loin still with uh with salt and those were one inch thick cuts but we also like to to rub them down with a, a lot of extra uh, homegrown honey honey Good. So that, that, that gives it a, a nice taste and you just got to cook the meat the same exact way as you would the steak but maybe on, on a lower heat because the sugars and the honey can burn uh-huh. but it gives it uh if you don't burn it like too bad it gives it a nice bark a nice crispiness to the outside i heard crystal say she liked the pork chop the best tonight
2: yeah, I you know, and before we, we uh, put the pork chops on to cook, um, I reminded Ryan that we needed to just score the fat because that, that seems to be a, a really important thing to do when you do the pork chops because it helps the fat to really render down. If you don't score those pork chops, sometimes you kind of get a big piece of chewy fat that didn't really get to cook as much. Uh-huh. So, um, once you, you know, you actually score that stuff, it kind of just melts in your mouth. And yes, that was my favorite tonight. I yeah. ate every bite. <laughs> yeah. We like to
1: cut, cut that fat, turn that pork chop on in because it's got a, you know, three quarter inch fat capper on the backside of that pork chop and just take a sharp knife and just cut it on, you know, quarter to half inch intervals. Mm-hmm. And when it cooks, it's going to, it's gonna almost bear claw fingers out, yep. you know? and, you're able to, to render that fat, like she says, and it just, it's, it just makes it so much better where you want to eat it. You know, it gives it a good texture.
0: Yeah. And so then we had really simply something I've been making a lot of is just the roasted vegetables. And I did the first mixing of the roasted vegetables was celery, turnips, carrots, some radishes, um, some onions, all just tossed in. I've been making a new salt, Cuban oregano salt. I have tons of Cuban Cuban oregano right now and literally I'm doing like an 80-20 um, when I make my salt. You guys know I put that in my chopper, uh, chop it up really nicely and then put it on the lowest temperature in my oven and just kind of keep tossing it until it gets hard and dried out and then put it back in my chopper, chop it up and blend it up and we use that on um, roasted veggies. I think we used it a little bit on our salad tonight as well. So, just like last week, oregano is good for is the answer for everything. <laughs> like now we're finding again. You, y- y'all, really liked the flavor of that salt.
1: That was my favorite out of all the ones we. I tried. I pulled them
0: all out. I pulled the dill salt <laughs> out. I pulled all the different flavors. Pulled everything out. Um, and then we took that vinegar that we that my dad had made here at the farm and put it on top of a salad that was, yeah, again, similar to the salad I made last week because we're still in fig season. So it had figs, red onions, cucumbers. I put it over the top of some arugula salad and then, uh, splashed that red wine vinegar over the top of it. And it made a seriously just a basic farm to table, but Every single thing we ate on our plate tonight came off of my farm or your farm together. Yeah.
1: It, it was a $60, $70 meal. I mean, I know, I'm right? not trying to put a, <laughs> yeah. but like if you went out to buy that, I mean, that's how good it was. And it was simple. Yeah. And and the awesome thing was, was you grew the vegetables. Uh-huh. We grew the proteins yeah. and we're here together to share the the bounty together and uh, and your, your dad, with the uh, vinegar, uh, huh, you know, uh, something that went past what he was probably planning.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: And it's still an awesome product. Yes. Something great.
0: And then of course, after I'd let you guys try the, um, vinegar, I was like, well, you got to try the wine too. So I pulled out the, the second bottling of the 2020 vintage and, um, I'll speak for myself, but that bottling was really good. I'm enjoying that wine.
2: I think I need to change my my statement here. I think the wine was actually my favorite. (laughs) The pork chops were a close second.
1: I'm not a wine drinker. Uh, I'm just never really appealed to me a whole lot. I, I like certain wines and mm-hmm. that one is probably number one on my list. Wow. I, I'm not saying that because you <laughs> yeah. invited us over to be on a podcast. It's yeah. the truth. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm going to taste it uh-huh. and it's just smooth. Yeah. A little uh, bit it's, sweet, but not, not it's sweet, not, but no. a little bit sweet. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it, it was, it was great.
0: Yeah. It's really good. Um, I'm looking forward to, I'm having a summer solstice event on June the 21st here at the farm. It's going to be in the evening so we're going to be doing a little bit of sun gazing watching the sunset i'm going to put together a nice charcuterie board and then of course all of the fruits and the the fermented beverage fruits that we have here at the farm will be available for people to taste the
1: ones you don't have to chew
0: (laughs) yeah the ones i don't (laughs) have to chew exactly so that'll be a really nice evening. If anybody is interested in in that, just reach out to me and I'll send you the link to pick up your tickets and to reserve your spot. It's going to be very limited because I only have so much space. But I'm going to have to reach out to you guys to get some of the pork loin, the the smoked pork loin. Is that the one y'all make? Um, and some of y'all's dried dried meats and stuff like that. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that would pair good with. Uh... Just Aislinn and a good time out here on the farm. It'll
2: pair good with the wine.
0: <laughs> there you go. We're, we're loving it. And dinner was excellent. I'm so glad. Like having like the five-star dining experience once a week in my house, I, I don't know how I ended up with this kind of wealth, but it's pretty freaking fantastic. I guess I'll have to just um, do what I do every single morning now, and that is get up and thank God for the new day that's coming and that's all the fact. delicious things that are going to be coming at me. I was telling you guys tonight that back in, I think it was about 2010, 2011, I read a book called The Food Revolution. And it was actually a book written by John Robbins, who is the Robbins in the Baskins and Robbins, uh, dairy ice cream industry. Food revolution is actually about the dairy industry and about the meat industry. And so that was the first step in basically I, I went on this really long camping trip to Big Ben and with, with, high, with eighth grade kids at the school my ex-husband was the principal at and came home not eating meat anymore. <laughs> like I basically read a book on a trip and then, and, and that's not, I mean, I guess that's kind of the way I am about things, but what happened was I, it really wasn't even about what they're doing in the industry to animals. Although I care. Right? So I cared about that, but it was about the idea that the way, when he was explaining it, that there's no possible way that the way we're doing things with meat, that it could even remotely be sustainable, right? Because of the amount of water it requires to grow the amount of vegetables in order to, you know, but they were also weren't saying people shouldn't eat meat. And this is a big part of the conversation over the last decade that has been a big mix in the conversation, the sacred cow and all the different conversations like that, but I came home and said, okay, I'm not going to eat meat anymore unless it's wild caught, wild caught or, um, wild harvested. So like my family going out and hunting. And then we did have a family friend who was taking their cattle off of their ranch directly to a, um, butcher. And so that was the first time that like, so it was very rare. So I would have to be out there at the restaurants trying to find vegetarian foods and in South Texas, in Corpus Christi, eating a vegetarian food restaurant was like a brown salad. And so I was basically like starving. I was trying to eat, feed my kids. I didn't want to feed my daughter the dairy anymore that had all these. I didn't even know what was real or not real, but there was too many things they were telling me that were scaring me about everything that we were doing to our children. And so I became this kind of crazy hippie girl that wouldn't eat meat, but would eat meat, but had, you know, was picky, was making up my own rules. And before I know it, I'm like, well, where would we even have access to this food? I liked gardening. Um, okay. So now I'm starting a farmer's market and basically leading the entire like local food industry network in South Texas, just because I had an idea of wanting to farm. But most importantly. I knew that I didn't have access to the food I wanted to eat. And I was learning that there had to be some people out there that had this interest as well. And I met you guys back in I don't know, maybe 2014, 2013, 2014 at an right. early conference, yep. one of the first conferences Grow Local put on. And it was back when Grow Local was trying to do a little bit of everything because there was nothing. And now Grow Local doesn't have to do everything because there's all kinds of things going on in the industry, in our area but I was really curious about how you got into it and what drove you, because clearly anybody that doesn't work as hard as what we do with farming and still has a job as a firefighter and their wife still has a job and trying, you know, like there's gotta be something more to this than the idea that like, somehow you're going to be a wealthy farmer, um, living on a fancy ranch, you know, in Texas. <laughs>
1: That was a mouthful, but it was all true. Uh, so, yeah, around 2011, I was at the firehouse, and I was putting on a training for the guys. Uh, I was a lieutenant at the time, and I was wanting to do a, con- uh, a little uh, training. And when we got done with the training, well, we started off by taking a vital signs for everybody. And I noticed at the time I was probably 26 or 27, mm-hmm. and my blood pressure was a little higher than mm-hmm. I remember it being. And by the time we did the training and got done, I was at the end of the pack mm-hmm. and I was supposed to be the leader of these, these guys. And mm-hmm. that I had a mental shift shift in my, my head at that point in time. I said, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta be better. I gotta be healthier. People expect firefighters to be uh tip top shape anyways, uh-huh. you know, and, you know, food is big in the firehouse
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah. i've it, heard that it, that's
1: it's a that's a big thing you know? you're
0: in charge of being the the cook that oh, night and you have to make the meal for everybody exactly. yeah. yeah that's
1: after we get our stuff checked out you know that's the that's the big topic is what are we going to eat uh-huh and I, and I i feel hard in that because i've always loved food hmm. and so i let let my my eating habits get away from me and i was eating i didn't care what i ate you know i I yeah. didn't care about f- where the food come from or where I was raised. That was never a thought in my mind. I think that's a majority of people. They don't think about that. You know, we don't, we're conscious. We don't, we don't eat consciously. You know, we just, no. we just do it because it's something we do. And you don't so, even have
0: to chew your food. You just like,
1: swallow yeah, so, <laughs> while you
0: watch TV. right? Uh,
1: <laughs> that's why, that's why our jaw muscles are weak. Yeah. Right so, uh, I hooked up with a couple other guys that I was friends with that were, you know, uh, gym rats and we started working out and I started changing my diet and I come across a book by Joseph Mercola, which is a natural health di- uh, dietitian uh, huh uh, in Chicago. And in his book, he talked about pasture and grass fed meats and, you know, cutting some of the sugars out, cutting a lot of the sugars out of your diet. So I went, you know, basically, uh, just eating meat and vegetables, I guess what they call the keto diet now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and I went from 210 pounds to 178 pounds in, you know, three or four months. hmm. And, you know, went from having elevated blood pressure to you couldn't work, outwork me. So I was looking. But you
0: felt different. I Your felt, body felt different. You could see things well, like, cl- a little more clearly. That's what like, you were talking yeah. earlier. You know, yeah. that's
1: something a lot of people don't take into consideration was like, you know how how is eating this away going to affect me you know mm-hmm. how, I, how how do i justify it in my budget yeah and what was your response when when people were saying that how i
0: i believe what i have seen in my own personal experience is that yes, you're going to spend less money on the medicines. You're going to spend less money on supplements. Even you're going to spend less money going to the doctor because you're not catching little colds and all that. And of course, don't even count out all of the like autoimmune disorders and things that have people on regular prescriptions. Right. So even if I put all that stuff aside, my mind has gotten so clear. My body feels so good. I feel so different about everything that there's no way you couldn't make more money. You're going to If you're an entrepreneur, you're going to be better at making different income streams. You're going to be more creative. You're going to come up with better ways of doing it. And if you're a corporate worker, you're going to look at your job and go, it, it, like I can make a lot more money doing a lot more work. Cause I feel good. And I want to go do my job.
1: Exactly. And something that just popped in my mind, you know, and that's a good thing about collaborating with different people especially intelligent people uh, that like to think outside the box like yourself, <laughs> is, oh, now I'm getting old and I can't remember the thought. But uh, <laughs> the idea is, you know, with all the depression we are facing yes. in this country, yes. and it's it's food related. Absolutely. Uh,
0: I can tell you for fact, I'm dealing with that. Like I fixed depression issues with food.
1: You know, and so we have add uh with the uh the phones the devices all the social media Mm -hmm. and the 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 depression but if you can eat and it makes you happy yes you know it makes you think clearly it does positive things for your health think about all the money you don't spend on those excesses trying to achieve that dopamine release yep that man i'm just happy to be alive this morning yeah you know I'm, I'm, i'm happy to be X, Y, Z, and, and you know, with us farmers, it's just going outside and being with the the animals, or uh, harvesting, or just walking through the gardens, drinking, you know, a cup of coffee, or whatever it may be. You yeah. know, uh, and you could be in, in the city and, and be the same way, but it's just just the the blissfulness that comes with uh, having that clarity,
0: understanding, and being able to quantify the qualifiable things that are occurring on the farm. Like I when i think back to the initial question which is like why would you choose this lifestyle when you're still working incomes outside of the home and you're working your tails off and you're work, and to me it's like you're finding a way to actually create that sustainable option but the only way you're able to do it is by looking at all of the things that are the quality of life that exist in your life that you're now able to actually quantify because you're living in it Exactly. And you can see the worth of it That's and the right. wealth of it. Yeah. That's right.
2: Uh, and I also like to think that, you know, like, even if it comes ever comes to a point where we are not able to do this for, you know, a lot of the other people, we will always still do it for our, our ourselves and our family because, yeah. you know, we've, I mean, I've seen how it's affected my, you know, my older son who has, he does struggle with, you know, ADHD and he's, um, you know, I feel like he, he, he used to be on a diet where he had a lot of sugar and, um, a lot of carbohydrates, but now he, he, he eats everything in front of him. Don't get me wrong. He's like a garbage disposal, <laughs> but, um, he, but I think the quality of the things he eats now help him with his, some of his issues that he struggles with as far as yeah. ADHD. And I know it's because we're healing him, he's healing his body with
1: food yeah yeah and i mean he's got purpose every day you know on the farm yes uh,
0: yeah my brother struggled with some of the same thing and i can say by watching him grow up and then him getting to the age and it was probably about the age that you're talking about where he was like "Yeah, no i'm not taking that stuff anymore i don't eat I, you know, I don't enjoy my life. I'm losing my creative thoughts about things, but that was of a generation he's y'all's age. So that was of a generation where that was, they were the initial kids that were beginning to be given that kind of stuff. And any kid that my brother and I both are troublemakers, but troublemakers in like the good way, like we're breaking the rules that needed to be broken, you know, and we're You know, we don't sit still in a desk because we're not the kind of people that are meant to sit still in the desk. The reason I can work outside and do the kind of work I do is because I don't sit well behind a computer screen all
1: day. That's right. God made everybody on purpose for Mm -hmm. a purpose. And to say that everybody needs to go and sit in a classroom for the first, you know, 13, 14, 15 years of their life to be molded and structured into or conditioned into thinking and doing things a certain way so they're a good employee i don't think that's i think people are waking up to that that's not that's not good for us everybody doesn't do well in that environment uh you know uh everybody has a special gift or multiple special gifts and Mm -hmm. if we're trying that that's that that goes along with the industrial food system and everything else that's like, oh yeah. uh, factory farming and factories in themselves. You know, we're trying to spit out kids all be the same mm-hmm. when we're all individuals. We're all mm-hmm. different. We have a spirit and mm-hmm. a soul that lives inside of us to like, you're fiery. You, you want to go out there and, 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 you know, revolutionize the food industry or the food system down in this area. And you've done that. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, that's the way I've always felt. I've always felt like I want to do the hard stuff. Yeah, whether it was in sports, I wanted to play the positions that nobody else wanted to play. Yeah, whether it was uh, choosing a career or doing like, like this, like farming, like, yeah. why would you want to get into this? Why yeah. would you want to? Yeah. Why would you want to get into farming and it be your, your it's business? A calling, honestly,
0: yeah. like we don't I don't even think I don't even think we know how we ended up here. We can tell you a story of some things that occurred, but it's like, th- I don't live any other lifestyle like this is my lifestyle, even when I left Girl local. There was no way to like outlive out of this, you know, so like you were saying that like, even if you decided that the business wasn't for you guys to like sell for other people anymore, that it was still, it's still your lifestyle. There's no way to get out of, you know, this way of producing food for ourselves. And I
1: don't think we'd want to, right? you know, uh, we know what we have, what, what the quality we have that we can't get. You know, only a handful of other places, you know, uh, and the average farmer in America is, you know, 65, 70 years old. And yeah. there's even what, maybe a half a percent of them that are farming this away.
0: Yes. You know, oh gosh. So it's, I can't tell you the number of times as I listen to, and I'm not listening to a stream of people that are only talking about small scale agriculture farms, you know, I'm listening to anybody that's talking about um wellness at all and they're always talking about as quick as you can get to a farm go out to a farm if you can go have friends that have a farm that live on a farm if you can get yourself onto a farm so i think that one of the things i'm truly discovering is the wealth that we have by being the visionary leaders that we're willing to like brave the wilderness like we're gonna just nobody even gets why i'm doing this but if there's one percent of people in this community that get why i'm doing it then it's worth it for the one percent of people you know and i think that one of the things as a marketing person one of the things i've tried to teach in terms of sustainability with with you guys and everybody that i've been trying to communicate with is is that If you haven't perfected your skill for the 1% of the population, then the other 99% actually don't matter to you. The problem is, is that we get so afraid when we have this um, desire inside of us to change the world, to save the world, that 99% of the people out there are not paying enough attention to us. Well, what happens a lot of times is, is that we're not, Taking care of that one percent and making sure, while you're learning how to do it, you want to make sure that when Aislinn Campbell gets asked the question, "Why is it that Turkey Hollow tends to be where you get your meat?" Meat and who you name as your meat farmer the most? And my answer is because their meat tastes the best. Well, that's because you've spent one percent. You've spent your time making sure one percent of the population knows yours is the best right and now i can get on a podcast every week and talk about the meat that i buy and i've got other farmers that i buy stuff from but straight up when i get asked that question and i think that one of the challenges that you guys know the farmers market industry enough just like i do and one of the challenges that i find find in you know communicating to the other farmers is is like you're never going to create sustainability if you're doing you're trying to provide the product to 89% of the people and 89% of the people aren't going to want to pay the price. They don't understand the quality of food that they're you're using. They're not going to be consistent customers and you're going to scale to them. And then they're going to leave you high and dry. And so I think that what I'm finding in this conversation at the dinner table tonight is just this idea of like understanding how does it actually work for a real family that's actually trying to create sustainable income. You're doing other work too, but you're creating this lifestyle for
1: yourself. Well, it's, you know, people work a career and then they get a side hustle, right? Because they wanna go do other things with that side hustle money. Maybe they wanna reinvest it into another business, or maybe if they're an entrepreneur, they want to invest it in that business or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, but, you know, having multiple streams of income, if you can yeah. manage it, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the answer. You know, the, and, answer. And that, you know <laughs> the roots and no pun intended are going to be on the farm. Yes. That, um, I'm not getting away from that i don't want to get away from that that yeah. is security you want to talk about security yes that yeah. is security
0: yes i'm passionate enough about it to live an entire lifestyle about it you guys are too so if you ask us what the answer to all the problems is it is feeding yourself absolutely <laughs> this is the answer to all the problems because even when you're talking about the system system changes what if the economy in this one particular area crashes we're not going to be able to fix that system, right?
1: Like it did in 2020. Exactly. Snowmageddon and all that. You right. Know? Yeah. Food systems are three days away from yeah. not having any food in the stores. Yeah. You know, and I what I, what has really fired me up uh, with, with all that in 2020 and, and the Snowmageddon down here is the people going out and getting freezers again, uh-huh. people starting to can, people uh-huh. wanting to come to the farm and learn skills. Uh-huh we need these skills. We can't be one-dimensional. You can't be one-dimensional. They normally give you two keys for your car. Uh-huh. Why? Because you could lose one. Right. Why would you only want to depend on going out to waterburger every night or any other fast food or or, or shopping uh meal to meal, right? Uh when you can have a freezer full of food. Mm-hmm. You know, and it goes back to your recipe, then you could cook yourself something. And when you can cook yourself something, you can it empowers you. To do more for yourself and that but because we, we live in that type of society where everybody has a specialized job mm-hmm. you do this i do that yeah. you know this happens over here yeah uh, you can't build a house here because it's not in a zoning it's in a zoning here yeah. yeah that's not how nature works
0: no and it will crash us every single time and it's crashing us and it's not sustainable and we can see We can see that. I don't know that everybody in the world can see that, but we can certainly see that. My whole entire everything about life has completely changed over the years. And one of the big things that I would come out really strongly, I used to be able to say in the early days before uh, Hurricane Harvey, I would say, you know, for when the zombie apocalypse is coming. And then the Hurricane Harvey came and I was like, you know, for when the hurricanes come. And then the pandemic came and I was like, you know, for when they martial law our asses and tell us all we can't. Um, take care of ourselves and feed ourselves
1: and (laughs) everything that people said you're just crazy you know you're a conspiracy theorist and it keeps coming true yeah it's like well you know uh, you live your life and i'm gonna live mine but when i have food or when i have the things i need or the skills i need to survive me and my family are gonna thrive i was even if i wasn't growing meat i could still survive feed your family yeah because absolutely fishing and hunting yeah
0: yeah. And we would learned things on the farm by knowing like, you know, which grass has the highest protein in it. Absolutely. So, I mean, I know that sounds strange to people, but it's like, we know where the protein, we know where the food is. We know how to make sure our family makes it over a hump. These are the types of things that we've learned by paying attention to this kind of stuff.
1: Those bones and those scraps that go in the, yes. the dumpster in the landfills, we make broth out of, Yeah, you know, it's nutrient dense. Yeah. And, you know, I I can't remember where I read it, but I want to say like somewhere in Poland, I don't know what century it was, but they went through a severe famine and an awful, awful long winter and they got by on bone broth all winter long. Yeah. That's all they had. Yeah. And it sustained them. It's funny that this conversation came
0: up at the dinner table tonight because I remember I opened up my freezer and I looked inside my freezer and it's just me here and things have changed and things are cleaner in different ways. And it's it's just me. And I looked at that freezer and it was like this pristine, it was full of frozen figs, some meat. And then it had uh, some pork broth, some chicken broth, some beef broth all inside there. And it made me think like that with a pantry full of, you know, vegetables, I mean, just, it's a different kind of mindset and I'm grateful. Know this about your farmers, friends. We care about you as much as we care about our own family, right? And what you'll find is, is that when we create a network of people and that network is in communication with us, when the shit gets bad, Guess who gets food? Guess who gets fed? But it's not because we're like, oh, we were going to take care of our family and we can only take care of our family. Like we're the most giving farmers just across the board.
1: You've taken care of us by supporting us yeah. you know, through thick and thin. Maybe even, you know, in times that we don't know your personal testimony when you've been down on your luck and may not have had a lot of money, you still come to the market and bought one thing from us. Yes. You know, I don't know the story or you've been up and in, in an upward swing, and, and you've just spent a lot of money, yeah. you know, hard-earned money, and you bought our product. You know that it means a lot. Oh, I mean, how many times? And it still happens from time to time. But in the early stages, like Crystal, I don't know how we're going to make the bills this week. Oh, and she says, just keep the faith. God keep has provided. Yeah. And yep. then you just have a stellar market or a stellar week, and, and the, the customers come out, and we're 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 up and, and running again for another week or two. You know and it just happened over and over and over the faithful farmer it's because of the customers it's because Mm -hmm. of you because you all believe in our products Mm -hmm.
2: and i do i feel like god has blessed what we do and that's why just when we think maybe how how in the world are we gonna you know pay for the feed that we need for this next week and then we have you know an amazing market because customers come out and they support you know, so generously, and then we're able to do what we need to do, and we just keep going.
1: Keep showing up on this farm. I got to protect it. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to keep showing up for the customer, that is, you know, I got to yeah. protect it. People I that protect- you're
0: feeding, like yeah. you feed my family. Yeah, I want for years. Y'all I, fed my family. I'm not going
1: to get bailed out uh-huh. when
0: no, <laughs> if we go yeah. into
1: a downturn, a yeah. bad downturn. No. Yeah. You know, I'm not as fortunate as the auto dealers or the banks. Yeah. So we, Or have... even
0: the big farmers for that right, matter. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We yeah. don't
1: have subsidies to, yeah. to, to rely yeah. on. So resilience.
0: I'm glad you guys have been here. Um, it's been a great evening. And I want you to tell me a little bit more about how do we find you? How do we find your farm? And how do I get to know where I can get any of your... Man, it's been such a great dinner table to have you guys here. And yeah, you guys and I could just talk and talk for hours. Ryan and I would stand at the farmer's market for just a few minutes and all of a sudden we're, t- we're solving all of the world's problems um, from politics to agriculture to school systems, who knows? <laughs> I've enjoyed um, having that opportunity and I hope we get to do this again. Before we go though, I really want you guys to tell me um, exactly where we can find Turkey Hollow Farm, where are you located at? How does somebody come and visit you if they want to? What markets are you out? Tell us everything we need to know.
2: So we are Turkey Hollow Farm. Uh, Ryan and Crystal Keller. I'm going to mention Aiden and Jet because they're a big part of our business as well. Um, but we do do two farmers markets. We have a an online farm store. It's Turkey Hollow Farm Store online where you can uh, place pre orders. You can order online. Um, and is that TurkeyHollow.com? It's What's- Turkey Hollow Farm Store. Com.
0: turkeyhollowfarmstore.com. Okay. And you
1: can also find us on Facebook at Turkey Hollow Farm and mm-hmm. Instagram. Mm-hmm. The content that flows through Instagram and Facebook and, and other platforms like that is continually being updated with stuff and stories are live. And, and you I've can been re- watching,
0: I watch you for years. For years, I've been like keeping an eye on where are you going? What are you up to? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I really like, like that. Uh, and then, you know, obviously people, I've had a lot of people reach out. It's just it's getting linked up where they can come out and uh, do a farm tour, yeah, and really uh, see where the uh, rubber meets the road. And Turkey Hollow is in Cuero. It's in Cuero, Texas. So we don't grow turkeys anymore on Turkey Hollow Farm. So <laughs> yeah. uh, the how we got the name because I think a lot of people are confused by this <laughs> is uh we where we reside is the turkey hollow farm subdivision that's kind of that area it's not uh-huh. a small subdivision it's it's large uh 12 13 acre plots uh-huh uh and we bought that property just to, with the intentions of social distancing before that was even a thing uh-huh yeah just getting out of town <laughs> that's like my away. parents yeah you know <laughs> yeah. and then the farming come after that we uh-huh. we're not generational farmers uh-huh uh so it was like you know. uh Let's let's name it after our, our area or region, you know, uh, so Turkey Hollow Farm is, so yeah, they used to raise lots and lots of turkeys and they'd have turkey trots down through the streets, you know, a hundred years ago to get them to, to market. We started out trying to do everything. Yeah. And if, that's I'll, not I'll, unusual uh, by the no, way. <laughs> no, and I'll, and I'll preface this with this, uh, anybody that's trying to that's, that's interested in doing something, just, just learn one skill, just learn a skill and take it one step at a time. Don't try to do too much. Don't try to uh, hold yourself to this, this hierarchy of things that are going to make, make it miserable and make you think that it's like, I, I can't do this. You know, it's just too much. Just, just, just try to get better. Try to do better. Try to learn one thing. And that's what. And let today
0: be okay. Today's okay. That's right.
1: So we did way too much. And it was like what are the what are the real things that people are after let's, let's let's go to the staples yeah and that made our life and our business life a lot better the evolution of
0: observation and then watching it and then learning from it and having the experiences from it so
1: there is a lot more to the game than just oh having this beautiful photography and the yeah. dew in the morning and the <laughs> yeah. the chickens frolicking in the grass you know there is a business side to it and yeah. you know that yeah. That's probably the hardest thing for a lot of farmers to yeah. to wrap their head around and to be comfortable of charging what they need to charge what for the product charge. because, you know, uh, what we're charging for our product is more than what you're going to pay at the store. And traditionally, for 75, 80 years, people have bought food cheaply. It's been produced cheaply. Yeah. And Poorly, and you know that's the way people were conditioned, and it goes back to like you're saying the one percent. So what we decided to do was raise beef, grass-fed and finished beef. Yeah, and it's excellent. Uh, mm-hmm. Pasture-raised pork, mm-hmm. also very, very good. Uh, regular pasture-raised we chicken. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a layer flock operation, and I partner with uh, Stephen koenig which is down the road from us, that raises a uh, grass-fed and finished lamb and yep. caprito. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know what? You guys have raised the game on lamb in Corpus Christi. There's a lot more people that are like, thankfully they can get lamb because of you guys. So yeah, yeah, I'm grateful for it for sure. That, you know. Okay. So we have the last thing that we have to do here. And um, I just read this question literally, which three objects would you save first if your house caught on fire? Hmm, I'm like, you're going to teach us a lesson on what we should be grabbing first. Uh, I,
1: would,
2: <laughs> I would grab our wedding picture. Our portrait. Oh I would, I think.
1: Do you know it's where that's at? <laughs> <laughs> <Of> course, <yes. laughs> I have a good guess. <laughs> uh, probably uh, objects, not people. Uh, yeah. So probably my pistol uh-huh. beside my bed, my cell phone. Yeah. And ooh,
2: I we have lots of
1: car keys? What yeah, car keys, car keys, right? Yeah. So
0: what do you need from the firefighter? What do you actually need from your home
1: if you something need your family you out. just need your family that's out. That's what I'd really be yeah. focusing on, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and that's the thing we actually talk I talk about my kids uh, quite frequently, hey, you know. And if I can get a little uh, fire prevention in on this too, it's mm-hmm. like shut your doors at night. Uh-huh. Even a hollow core door provides a lot of fire and smoke protection.
0: So when you're in your bedroom doors, yes. sh- that's what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, compartmentalize okay. yourself okay. so if okay. a
1: fire breaks out in another room, you don't get inundated by smoke inhalation or heat products. Hmm you know, your, it allows your smoke detectors that you should probably have, you should have in your house and you mm-hmm. should have them checked frequently every month and then change the batteries every six months. You know, make sure those are functional and shut the doors and have an escape route. If you can't get out of your house because of fires blocking the doorway, make sure you can get out a window.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, uh huh. We, yeah, we talk about that and it's it's one of those things. So I, I do that to make it less scary Which is going to be a frightening event if that ever happens. Yeah. But they also have that subliminally. It's a muscle memory thing now. Uh Oh, the smoke alarms are going off. I open my door and it's smoky and hot. Uh Uh-huh. What do I do? Well, dad's always talked about going through a window. Uh Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. And we have a meeting place.
0: Yeah. I love how the random questions always end up like in this perfect alignment. Well, like I'm like, how did that? Have, that was perfect. Like pull you this out. Fire yes, lesson. fire prevention lesson. Shut
1: your doors. Compartmentalize. <laughs>
0: Thank you guys so much for being here. I really appreciated having dinner. Thank you for bringing the meat tonight and sharing your hard work and your wealth with me. I appreciate that. Thank you guys for coming to the dinner table yet again. The best thing that you can do to help support this uh, podcast is tell a friend, tell a friend about your friend farmers turkey hollow that have come out and talked on the podcast if you're listening to this on youtube please subscribe to my youtube channel and of course if you want to do a little bit of extra special support of the podcast go to dinnertabletalks.com at the top of the podcast where it says support this podcast drop a few bucks in there that helps us keep doing the work that we're doing i can stay on the farm doing the work that i'm doing because I can add to it the interesting content creation that I do as well. And so we're all trying to come up with all types of diversity to keep our economic flows going. Thank you all for joining us at the dinner table. Thank you, Kellers. I love you guys. We love you. Thank Thank you you for feeding my family.
1: You're welcome.